Welcome to Peaceful by Nature. This is Sage. And today I have a practice for you that is based on the seven factors of enlightenment. And I also go over the five hindrances. So first you'll hear a description of the seven factors of enlightenment according to the Buddha. And then I'll go through the five hindrances. And then there's an 11-minute and 11-second new moon practice for you, calling forth each of the seven factors of enlightenment. And I hope this practice is wonderful for you. Let me know how it goes. I would also recommend taking out a journal and journaling about your experience as well as the five hindrances, which ones are getting in your way. And how are you responding to them? I'm curious to know. I spoke last podcast with my friend Joy, and we talked a lot about the power of writing. Writing in particular is a really helpful practice for investigation, which is one of the seven factors of enlightenment. Having a writing practice, a daily writing practice, as you know, is one thing that I... I found a lot of value in, in my life. And Joy and I went into more detail on how writing saved both of our lives and a new course that we are offering in last podcast. Um, the last podcast I released was my first full moon conversation. My intention is to have full moon conversations come out on the full moon These will be conversations with colleagues and friends and other people I am inspired by or I'm co-creating with. And then I'll continue to have these practices on the new moon for you. For me, it's really nice to anchor each moon cycle with these rituals. So whether it is having a new moon ritual on your own or gathering with friends and setting a clear intention, and then having a time of celebration and reflection on the full moon through ritual. And that can be by yourself or with others as well. My first full moon conversation was with Joy Clarissa Taylor. And Joy and I, I'm so excited, are co-facilitating a online writing group. It's called the Creator's Circle. And this is a opportunity for women to come together. And I know for me, uh, for a long time, I didn't really take the time to write and I didn't ever finish projects that I was working on. And it wasn't until I joined a bi-weekly writers group that I really found momentum, at least in my project and more um, yeah, project-oriented things. I could journal pretty well on my own, but it wasn't until I joined a writer's group that I started working on my first book. And so I know the power of being in a group, and that's what Joy and I wanted to offer. You'll hear more about our relationship and everything in the last podcast and how great Joy is. This group is um, for women who either want to 
explore writing for the first time or if you are already in the process of journaling and already in the process of writing or maybe you're even writing a book or you have blog or copy or other content that you want to have more structure around. If you want a sisterhood to laugh and to learn with, if you're ready to bring more truth out from you, if you just love writing and want to have people who also love writing, this is a place for people who are creators. And we're going to have lots of learnings and processes and practices that we'll offer. And then we will also have time to hear from the people in the group sharing their writing and sharing what they're working on. So it will be part learning, part experiential, and also a big factor of community coming together and having a type of accountability. I know when I know that I have a writing group, pages will pour forth from me that would not have otherwise poured forth. I would not have made the time to sit down and write on a Thursday night without knowing that I have a writer's group to show up on Friday. So I know the power of a writer's group and that's what we want to offer. So if you are ready to tap into your unique and spontaneous voice and explore writing as a way to strengthen your relationship with intuition and have a really safe container for honesty and vulnerability and humor and practice automatic writing and poetry and journaling and out of the box sort of wordplay and vocal activation and embodiment games. I feel that each part whether it's chanting and breath work and movement or writing practices that we offer in the course, in this circle, it's a pathway to nourish your relationship with the muse. And you'll also get to connect with other heart-centered and conscious women. So it's a cool offering. And we begin on March 20th, or sorry, May 25th. And the page is up now so you can register now it will be in the show notes it's at joy's website a soul inspired life so the link will be there and you can register for the course there all right i hope that you have a wonderful wonderful new moon and I hope to see some of you, uh, yeah, check out the course and hope to see some of you in there. Please reach out on Instagram at wildsacredsage or you can email me at wildsacredsage at gmail.com or contact me through my website wildsacredcollective.com and ask me any questions or ideas for meditations or practices that you would like to hear. Or if you have any questions about the course that Joy and I are offering, um, reach out. The seven factors of enlightenment according to the Buddha. And these are qualities that lead to both enlightenment and also describe 
enlightenment. The first is mindfulness. And it's an essential part of our practice. Mindfulness is a whole body and mind awareness of the present moment, in the present moment. To be mindful is being fully present, not lost in tripping into the future or thinking about the past, not in anticipation or worry or fantasy. Mindfulness also is the releasing of habits that maintain illusion of a separate self. So mindfulness doesn't judge between likes, dislikes, and it is a dropping away of conceptualization. So, for example, instead of my lower back pain, it's the lower back pain. And then investigating with mindfulness the actual sensations of what's going on in the cloud, in the field of awareness, without attaching a sense of my or mine to it. The second is investigation. Investigation is the seven factor, the second factor of enlightenment. And this is to really investigate your own life, to reflect and have contemplation, to investigate your own patterns and habits, thought patterns, behavioral habits, to investigate when you are in reactivity, why you feel like you are triggered in certain circumstances. It's really taking responsibility and not blaming the outside world. So instead of saying, he did this, she did this, they did this to me, recognizing that you are the one in the control or the power to investigate. Why is this bringing up this quality within me? And we can often tell when there needs to be investigation when our reaction to something is larger than the circumstance calls for. So as an example, if I accidentally splash some water on the counter when I'm washing the dishes and my husband says, can you please be careful not to get extra water on the countertop? If my reactivity is really heightened and I'm like, oh, he's always telling me what to do and I go into a reactive pattern, then it's not my responsibility to say, don't tell me what to do. It's my responsibility to recognize that the response I had was larger than what the circumstance called for and to question why. And then I might go into my journal or take a walk and reflect on why I had that reactivity. Usually our investigations lead us back to something in childhood, something that was really young within us. And these parts of us, they don't need to be trampled. They don't need to be pushed down. They need to be loved and listened to and recognized. But they also don't get to be in the driver's seat. They're not in control. 
And through this investigation, this wise investigation, we can release the patterns of habits and the patterns of fear that keep us from the fullness and the potential that we can experience life in. And the investigation is a, also a question of what is, what reality, what dharma is, continually learning about how to best live in right relationship with life and how to live in right relationship with all of those in your life. Investigation also is an invitation to investigate the nature of existence. That you don't just need to accept the principles that are taught in Buddhism or in a yogic tradition, that you get to investigate for yourself the quality of your life and mind and investigate the teachers to realize the truth to realize the truth, to have insight. Number three is energy. And the Sanskrit word for energy is virya, which is also translated as zeal or enthusiastic effort. It originated from a word that means hero, vira. And so that has this connotation of a heroic effort and a warrior's determination to come back into mindfulness and investigate and to follow these ways of being, aligning your heart and your mind with the values of compassion and love and wisdom. And it requires energy and discipline to continually make space for the practices. It takes energy to take yourself away from the constant distraction and what our society has promoted as success and it can take energy to get up early to meditate and a little bit of extra energy to turn away from things that are an easy distraction or numbing device. And it feels good. Sometimes it doesn't feel good when you first start breathing practice or yoga practice that you don't want to get on the mat because it takes effort. But ultimately, the things that bring us back into balance and peace and harmony, we know feel better and purifying on the other end. The fourth is happiness or joy, reverence, rapture. And this is not a small, trivial, surface-level happiness. This is a deep uh, realization of joy. And it comes as the fruit of well-intentioned, good intention and, and seeds that are planted with good intention, karmic seeds. So it takes effort to not have happiness come from things that we want or crave and then there's this immediate gratification of chocolate or just getting what you want, scrolling through Instagram, whatever the thing is, but the deep happiness that comes from aligning 
your actions with your deepest, truest values. And we begin to let go of craving and find joy and rapture. And there's also a, an allowance of joy, an allowance of rapture to be in awe of a flower, of a leaf, of a sunset, to return to a space of simplicity and reference, reverence for what you have in your life. The fifth quality is tranquility, calmness. And this is a deep joy, finished work and is at rest. The quality of tranquility And it arises naturally in response to the other factors. So you don't have to work at being tranquil when the other factors are in alignment, are in awareness. When we work through the five hindrances, tranquility is the natural state. Peace. Peaceful by nature. The sixth is concentration. So concentration is focusing all of one's mental faculties into one physical or mental object and practicing absorption. Another word that's associated with concentration is samadhi. A deep state of consciousness that lies beyond waking, dreaming, or deep sleep. It is a slowing down of our mental activity through a single pointed concentration. So we can focus on the anchor of the breath as a focus of concentration. So we can focus our attention, our awareness on the breath, on sound, on mantra, on a flame of a candle. In the deepest samadhi, all sense of self disappears and so you're merged object and subject, absorbed in one another. The seventh factor is equanimity. And this is a balance between the extremes of aversions and desires. So not clinging, not grasping, not attached, and also not avoiding. So not wanting and not not wanting. At a state of equanimity. And this doesn't mean that we don't care for the body if there's a desire and a need for food or water or shelter. It's just not being constantly pulled around, tugged around by 
our wants. It's the freedom from all the points of self-reference, identification with the ego, that you don't need to be perceived in a certain way in order to be at peace, at balance. You can let other human beings have their own reactions to things and you remain at balance. That doesn't mean you're not compassionate. It doesn't mean that you dissociate and that you shut down your compassionate heart, but you remain in a state of balance and openness. So a strong heart or a strong back and an open heart which is a strong heart, a courageous heart, to remain in balance even when there are big things happening on the outside. These are the seven factors of enlightenment. And every single day, there are so many opportunities to work with every single one of these. Mindfulness, investigation, energy, happiness, tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. So for your new moon intention, one of these factors could serve as your new moon intention. Maybe this cycle you focus on joy, on rapture, or perhaps on concentration. Or perhaps returning again and again to equanimity. And watching when you are not in this quality, living from this quality. And then strengthening a new pathway. The five hindrances that will get in the way of a clear mind, of an open mind, of an enlightened mind... And I will go through each one of them. I really love how the Buddha talked about these because they, one, are resonant because they are still the ones that we wrestle with and are with every single day. But also that the Buddha paralleled each of these mind states to different things that were going on with water. So as we go through each one, you can imagine the clear, open, enlightened mind is a peaceful lake or a peaceful pond. The first hindrance is sexual or sensual desire. Not sexual, sensual desire. This is the appetites of the body for food, for sex, for possessions, for experiences. So the five hindrance this this hindrance it's not saying to wipe out all sensual experience sensual being human experience but it's the right relationship with things and the buddha likened it to putting colors like dye into the water and then it colors everything it colors the clear heart mind Because once you drop in an appetite, a desire, a wanting for possession, for sex, for food, it colors everything else. The second is ill will. 
And this refers to adversive and rejecting states of mind, such as anger, hostility, resentment, bitterness, wishing ill will on others. The Buddha described this heart-mind as water frothing or bubbling and boiling. And you calm the water of frothing, bubbling, and boiling by cooling it with forgiveness and coming back to investigation. Investigation of your part that you're playing to soothe this. It doesn't feel good to wish ill will on another human being. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. The third is sloth. And this is a mind that is slow and is drowsy. A dull, sleepy mind that can't see things as they are. So making sure that we get enough sleep and that we get enough rest. And also recognizing that sloth is a quality that sometimes is masking up emotions that we don't want to feel. So we just feel tired when there are unresolved things in our lives. And the Buddha likened it to a pool of water that has overgrown with moss or algae. And sometimes doing the opposite of what you think you feel like doing. So going out for a brisk walk or doing some pranayama practice that gets your body going will counteract sloth and get your body and your mind and your heart back into energy. The fourth is restlessness, and this captures a lot of feelings that we encounter on a daily basis. Worry, fear, anxiety, restless and disturbed, preoccupied. When you're restless and disturbed and preoccupied, you're really not ready to learn or to grow or curious And the Buddha compared the restless heart-mind to a pool stirred by the wind into ripples and waves. And that one really resonates. If you can imagine ripples all across the surface of the pool, all across the surface of the lake. The restlessness. Doubt is the mind crowded with questions and uncertainty. Am I doing the right thing? Am I wasting my time? What should I be doing? And doubt doesn't mean healthy skeptic not not having healthy skepticism. We need to think through and and reflect on our decisions and our lives. And you can't taste the food by reading the menu, as Joseph Goldstein says, that you need to be driving the car in order to steer it that to stay in constant doubt or should I be doing this or should I be doing that, that stagnation keeps us from movement, which is what gives us feedback. And the Buddha described this doubt-filled mind, 
heart as a pool of water that is murky or cloudy or shadowed. We can't see the bottom. So the question is, what is which one or which of these in this moment, in this time, feel like they're keeping you from bodhicitta or an awakened, clear heart-mind? This practice can be done lying down or sitting. Release the body into a space that is awake but relaxed. Bring your awareness to the breath, anchoring it in the breath. Soften the belly, take a deep breath in for four counts. One, two, three, four, hold, and exhale, four, three, two, one, hold. Inhale, one, two, three, four, hold. Exhale, four, three, two, one, hold. Inhale, one, two, three, four, hold. And this time, let everything out. Exhale, 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 release. Bring your awareness to where your body is on the ground. Notice if you're holding anything up that you don't need to hold up. Let everything go. Bring the awareness to the center of your chest and breathe in and out of your heart. Soften the space around the heart. As we say the bodhicitta prayer, dedicating this practice to the highest good, with a wish to free all beings. I shall always go to refuge to the Buddha, the Dharma, and Sangha until I reach full enlightenment. Enthused by wisdom and compassion today in the Buddha's presence, I generate the heart-mind for full awakening for the benefit of all sentient beings devoting this practice, this meditation, for the benefit of all sentient beings. May I be swiftly liberated for the highest good of all. Breathing in and out of your heart, listen to this quote by Pima Chodron. Bodhicitta is our heart our wounded, softened heart. Right down there in the thick of things, we discover the love that will not die. This love is bodhicitta. It is gentle and warm. It is sharp and clear. 
It is open and spacious. The awakened heart of bodhicitta is the basic goodness of all beings. Tune into this basic goodness inside you, inside your heart. Trusting this is your true nature. And tuning into your sankopa, your intention for this new moon. Your sankopa is your vow to the highest good. Calling forth from within you mindfulness. a whole body and mind awareness here and now. Dropping away concepts, the illusion of a separate self. bringing forth from within you the quality of investigation, curiosity, learning from the experience here, now, asking yourself, what can I learn from this? opening to life, opening to the investigation of dharma, of the river of life. Learning. Calling forth from within you energy, a zeal and enthusiastic effort, strength, Courage. For when things feel uncomfortable, discipline, devotion, and calling forth from within you joy and rapture. attuning to simplicity and all of the abundance in each breath, in each moment. Calling forth from within tranquility or maybe a surrendering back 
into the lotus of tranquility. Your body held like a lily pad in a pool of tranquility. Concentration, absorption, giving a sense of self over to samadhi. This moment absorbed with the breath. and releasing, relaxing back into equanimity. Sense of balance between extremes. Not pulled this way and that. Evenness of mind unshakable freedom of mind, a state that cannot be upset by gain and loss, honor, dishonor, praise and blame, pleasure and pain, free from all points of self-reference, Releasing the sense of attachment and resting 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 in the field of unconditional love and the jewel of bodhicitta in your own heart. Aligning yourself with the qualities that will bring about a life of true happiness and true joy. Take a deep breath in. And exhale. And when you're ready, bring your body into gentle movement. And bringing your hands up and over your head. Take a deep breath in. And back down to your heart center at Anjali Mudra. Namaste. Aloha, beloveds. I just heard from Joy, and she has graciously set up a discount code for listeners of the podcast for the Creator Circle. 
it's 10% off and all you have to do is put in SAGE10, that's all caps, SAGE10, and when you check out, you'll get 10% off. So that is for the registration of the Creator Circle, whether you do monthly payments or pay in full. And it also includes the bundle, which is our offering of the retreat that we're offering in Mount Shasta, as well as the Creator Circle. So you get a big discount if you decide to join us for both. Again, that's Sage 10 and the link the link that's the word that i was looking for the link is in the show notes or as i just called them in one of the bloopers a toe note a toe note so all the way in the toe notes you will find the link to register for the creator circle and again use the code sage 10 when you check out